Thank you for purchasing this audio product. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We believe that your faith will increase and your life changed by applying the principles in this teaching. We've been really dealing with the heart and the heart issues and heart matters and Dad has been really tapping into that and I believe everyone's just been ugly crying, you know, for like weeks now because of this message. And um, tonight, Dad asked me to preach a message on forgiveness. And I'm going to preach on the mathematics of forgiveness. All right, now I was never good at math. Still not good at math. My report card was never nice when it came back with math. I don't know if anyone here feels like that about math, but um, some people turn to math sort of math, <clears throat> because of math, all right, but luckily I didn't turn to those things, but um, yeah, I was never good at math in school, but I feel like a lot of people, a lot of Christians are very good at keeping count when people hurt them. All of a sudden, Christians that are really bad at math, like me, get really good at keeping score. When somebody hurt me. You're taught in life. Put a 10 on people's heads when they enter your life. And then as soon as they do stuff wrong, you just minus. Minus. Some people are in minus 30 by now. You are so tired of them. You're saying, Lord Jesus, just remove them or remove me, but do something, God. You know, and how many of you have ever felt like that? Is there some real Christians here tonight? All right? If it's the person next to you, don't, don't raise your hand, okay? Because you might just offend them. And then it's minus 31. You don't want that. And uh, we're going to look at tonight at a good portion of Scripture, Matthew 18, verse 21. Let's go there. And I think this is one of the biggest struggles of the heart is, um, I want to say unforgiveness, but my goodness, Pastor A and myself, we messed ourselves up with this word, unforgiveness, that there is no such word as unforgiveness. Did you know that? I didn't know that until this morning. There's no such word as unforgiveness. You have to say unforgiving or unforgivingness or whatever. You know, so it's so confusing now that I'm trying to preach about this topic. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Really appreciate that. Okay. Matthew 18, verse 21 to 22, speaks about Peter. And it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. And it says there, up to seven times. All right. Look at what Jesus, Jesus just blows his mind with this answer. He's like, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, like I said, I was never good at math, but that's probably 490, right? Okay. Thank God. Now, if you look at this, portion of scripture Peter was a character in the Bible he was just a funny character right and we see that Peter is asking Jesus how many times should somebody can I allow them to hurt me how many times should I allow someone to hurt me and Jesus says to him what about 70 times 7 and and I think Peter asked this question because he was probably sick and tired of one of his brothers and it was going to be the seventh time. He's on the six. 
It's, it's probably Judas. And he was so close. He was saying, God, how many times? Seven times? Is that fine? Because he was thinking, Jesus, if you say seven times now, that Judas guy has got one more chance. Then I'm cutting his ear off. And Jesus just turns it on him and says, no, whatever you think times about 70. Now, Jesus didn't say times by 70 because that is the correct mathematical equation for forgiveness. And now some Christians went and they started counting. Okay, one, two. They're like, you won 438, brother. I'm counting, you know. And, and they, they're counting the sins of people. They've got like an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> The wife, the kids, the brother, the sister. And they just have an Excel spreadsheet of people's faults. And we keep track. And we're saying, you know what? In 2011 and 1997, you said this. And then you did this. And then you did that. And we keep score of people's faults. And Peter was that guy. (laughs) Keeping score of whoever's faults he was keeping score of. Saying, Jesus, if there's one more time, I'm cutting his ear And how many times have we done this in our lives? We said, God, how many more times can this person hurt me? God, how many more times does I forgive this person? And we think, you know what, God is going to say, you know what, if your spouse cheats on you, you know, that's okay. Don't have to forgive that. If they murder someone in your family, you know what, you don't have to forgive that. Uh, when they when they bombed the school, you know what? You don't have to forgive the guy that did that. And we think that because these big things happen to us, that it's justifiable with unforgiveness, the word that doesn't exist. And Jesus was trying to teach Peter something here today. He was trying to teach him this one thing, that forgiveness is not about keeping score, but it's about losing count. I want to say it again, because I don't think it, it hit your cabeza, like Pastor Frank will say. Let's get down here. Forgiveness is not about keeping score, but it's about losing count. He wasn't saying, hey, Peter, keep score of what these people do wrong to you. He was actually saying, Peter, lose count. Because if you as a human being can take the time and effort to count 490 faults, then you probably don't have a full-time job. You must sit at home the whole day just thinking and dreaming about what those people said about you and what they could have done and what they did do to you. And you just want to get to 490 to say to God, God, look, 490 faults. And then God's going to look at you and say, look at you. You've got a thousand faults and I forgave you. Okay, but before we carry on with this uh, portion of scripture, let's go to Matthew 6 verse 9 where Jesus teaches us how to pray. Such a beautiful scripture where he says, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven. He says, our Father in heaven. Note, he doesn't say my Father in heaven. He says, our Father, meaning that it's important to God for our people, for us to be in unity, for us to be okay with one another, for the children of God to be good with one another. If I have to speak to some parents here today, don't you hate it when your kids fight? Especially in a car. I heard some stories today. I won't name who. Just some Ephesian, you know, like they were, they were driving in their car and their children were acting up and they just turned around and hit them with a shoe. <laughs> you know, praise God. 
you know. And hey, respect, you know. You hate it when your kids fight, right? I can remember, you know, my mom and dad used to smack us as well, you know, because we're fighting in the car, and I think it just gets annoying. And then they just go, Pah! you know, and then you, you're quiet. So God hates it when we fight, and we have this unforgiving spirit towards one another. We have offense toward one another. I think God hates that because he also says in his word, don't come to me with an offering if you have hatred towards one another. If you have unforgiveness towards one another, don't even bring your offering. I don't want it. So how many times have you brought an offering to this altar with an unforgiving heart? Saying, you know, I have um, unforgiveness towards this person, that person. And God is saying, what if God never accepted that offering? He says, no, you had an unforgiving heart. All right. And then the next verse, verse 10, it says, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. This is a good part. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And before I go on to the next part, give us this day our daily bread is so powerful because it means that today when I wake up, I'm making a decision to forgive before I'm wronged. Because he's saying, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Meaning that you can't pray this prayer in the evening when you go to bed. <laughs> you should have prayed it when you woke up. Give us this day, not this day. <sighs> it says give us this day, meaning give me the bread today to forgive. Meaning that when I wake up tomorrow morning, I need to wake up with a spirit, with a decision that I'm going to forgive before I'm wrong. That's why this prayer is so powerful and we taught it in school and it's kind of watered down and you know it out of your head. You can say it like a parrot. I don't know. You, you can repeat it like that. And the problem is we don't see the power in it when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, meaning give me the power, give me the grace to forgive those who sin against me. Because you're going to be offended tomorrow morning when you wake up. You're going to meet your boss again in the meeting. It's Monday. He, he was drunk yesterday. He was drunk tonight as we're speaking. And you're praying for his salvation. He's going there probably with a bubble us. So he's not in a good mood. His wife doesn't like him anymore. Blah, blah, blah. His kids are rebellious. And now you come with your problems. And now he offends you or she offends you. And you have to deal with that. But if I have already doubted it in the morning. I'm already victorious. I'm already living redemptively. I'm already okay. And the next verse, we see the mathematical equation for forgiveness. It says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The mathematical equation for forgiveness is you get as much forgiveness as you give. You only get as much forgiveness as you give. If you give no forgiveness, you get no forgiveness. If you give a lot of forgiveness, you get a lot of forgiveness. A lot of the times, I don't understand why, why dad lets so many things go sometimes with some, some of the people, even with me. I don't understand it. Then I asked him, I said, dad, you know, why do you let some things just, why don't you just go for it, you know? Like fire them, like, you know? Until it's me. 
And then you realize, I need the grace of God. And he always says this to me. He says, Nikki, I'm always like that because I need grace. Therefore, I give grace. So if you're in a leadership position, if, if you're in an authoritative position, it's always good, always wise to give grace because you need it. None of us are perfect, right? But now the thing is, I know that so many of you, so many of us tonight, have gone through things that seem unforgivable. Murders, rape, molestation. You've gone through the worst. You've gone through a lot. Maybe even your a spouse was unfaithful. Whatever it is that you went through, and you say, Nikki... This is a cute message, right? It's out of the Bible. It's cute, okay? But you don't know what I've had to deal with. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've had to face. And yes, you're right about that. I don't know what you face. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you had to see, what you had to encounter. But all I know is that God requires one thing of us, and that is also to forgive and now you're asking, how do I forgive something or someone that seems unforgivable? How do you do that? You, you just can't. And I'm so glad you asked the question. Because in Matthew 5, verse 43 to 44, Jesus says this. You have heard that it was said, and this is what's said in our society today. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what was said in that time. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44 says, But I, Jesus, say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And this is what you do with an, unfor an unforgivable person. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. The only thing you can do to start forgiving someone, to start the forgiving process, is to pray for them. You cannot do anything else. The only thing that you can do as a human being is to start praying. And you don't have to believe it the first time. And you can say, God, I pray that you do something to him. I mean, through him. <laughs> That's fine. Just, you got to start. Because somewhere along the line, God is going to start working in your heart. He's going to start working the grounds for forgiveness and say, okay, you've prayed three years. Now you're ready to forgive. It took me a long time to forgive some people, but you have to start praying for them. So the first thing you got to do is pray for someone. And Colossians 3 verse 13, powerful scripture saying, bearing with one another. He knows that some of us are just horrible. So he says, bear with one another and forgive one another. Thank you, Pastor Mavis. If anyone has a complaint against another... Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. We skip over a lot of scripture in our life. Like, I don't like this scripture. Like, Nikki, where do you find this? <laughs> find it in, on Google. If you type in forgiveness, this scripture will come up. Okay. <laughs> but if you read the word, it says, even as Christ forgave you, you should also forgive. That's the formula. As you've been forgiven, so you must forgive. And I think we as Christians sometimes forget what we've been forgiven of. That we struggle now to forgive. Because I've been saved for 15 years, Pastor Santi. You know, I've been a Christian for 30 years, Nikki. You forgot what you were saved from. 
Like, there's some horrible stuff. I'm sure. Hey, Pastor Ivan. Hey. <laughs> Pastor Ivan tells me some stories sometimes and I get some chills, man. And we forget sometimes what we've been forgiven of because it's been so long. And then someone offends your little heart and you don't want to forgive them. No, I, don't want, I, I can't forgive that. I'm not in the right space. But Jesus was in the right space to forgive us when we weren't doing the wrong things. And some of us, even purposefully now as Christians, still doing the wrong things, he still has the grace to forgive. He still has the grace to forgive us. So the question I think God has sometimes is, why can't you do the same? I have forgiven you of so much, but yet I'm asking you to forgive this one brother that offended you, this one sister that said that about you behind your back. And all you could do is complain and cry and murmur, but where's the forgiveness? And it's not easy to do it the first time. I know, I've been through this. But the best thing to do is to stop praying. The best thing to do is to stop praying. The other best thing you can do is um, what Proverbs says. It says, buy your enemies lunch. Win them with kindness. What if you had lunch with your enemy today? The person that you hate the most. You pray the waiter spits in the food. You say, Father, send forth a miserable waiter today. And then they mix up the order and they spat in your food. Okay, never mind. So I want to continue reading Matthew 18, verse 23 to 35. And we're going to read a... a, a a bit of scripture tonight that it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, like his exile spreadsheet, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I don't know how much that is today, but let's say it's a million rand. We're going to over-exaggerate this thing, right? Because that's just what Christians do. We love to over-exaggerate the problem. So a billion rand he owed this king. And then look at this. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. If someone owed me a million rand, I don't know if I'll be this compassionate. Then he says, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denaries, which mean like he was owing him a million rand, and now this guy owes him a hundred rand. And look what he does. And he laid hands on him. Pah! Like some of you with their children. Okay. In the car. Alright. And took him by the throat. Look at this. By the throat. This is crazy. Saying, pay me what you owe me. That's crazy. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him. Saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into a prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. And came out and told their master all that had been done. 
Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Look at this. So my heavenly father will also do to you, each of you, from his heart, who from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Very, very powerful scripture. Very powerful portion of scripture. What do we learn from this? We have one guy that receives grace from God. That king, that master is God. That gave grace to a guy that had too many things to pay that he could not pay. And yet we see the same person go to someone that owes him such little money that he can't forgive him. And he, th- he puts him in prison. Imagine you get put into prison for 100 rand. Your bail is more. <laughs> and this guy is in prison for like 100 bucks. But this guy walking around owes God 1 million rand. And I've been taught my whole life that there's only one unforgivable sin. And that's to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But that's not true. There's another one. If you look at that, it says that my Father in heaven will do to you the same. What did that king do? He gave him to torturers until he could pay him back. And I think the second unforgivable sin is that if you can't forgive your brothers or your sisters, God will not forgive you. And if you can't be forgiven, explain to me how you're going to get into heaven. Because that's the basis of it. It's forgiveness, right? If I can't even forgive what you've done to me, how can God forgive me what I've done to him? And we see in 1 John 4 verse 20. And you can start playing for me, man. 1 John 4 verse 20. Do you guys have it there at the back? Where it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. You can take the scripture off. So we see two portions of scriptures here that's so powerful. That it's like, you want forgiveness from God for your sin. But when I say, hey, please forgive me. No, that's hectic, man. And God is saying, if you say, God, I love you, I worship you tonight, but you actually have hatred towards someone else, God says you're a liar. And how many of you know that the only person that knows what's really going on in your heart tonight is God? So He knows when you worship what's really going on in there. Is it real, true worship to say, God, I need grace? Or is it worship that says... God, I need grace, but I'm not going to give grace. Because God knows the true agenda behind your heart. Everything that we do will be judged. Not everything that you did not do. Everything that you did, Jesus will say, let me test it. Read it in Corinthians. I will test your work. I'll put it in the fire. And if it was made of iron, gold, and silver, I can give you a reward. But if it was made of hay, wood, and straw, 
it'll be consumed so if my intention behind this message tonight was not pure God can take this whole message put it in the fire and I get nothing in heaven you get the praises of the people but you get to heaven one day and God says your intention was wrong and we think that yes the pastor must get the rewards in heaven or the one that wrote 50 books the one that won a hundred souls why are you winning souls is it to just put another one on the on the list to just come on Sunday and testify I'm speaking to the evangelism team what is the intention behind the soul is it to say hey you know what I want to pray for the wheelchair because that'll look good on my Instagram that'll look good on the, on the dream team that'll look good on my work whatsapp group and when you get to heaven, that wheelchair, God tests that work in the fire and it comes out with nothing because the intention of the heart was not pure. And how can we expect forgiveness as God's children, but we are not willing to forgive people that have wronged us? So you could be living a life, 10 years, 10 months, two days in unforgiveness in anger, in bitterness. And you think that you're all good with God. And God is not speaking to you. God is not saying nothing. God is not providing and you're wondering why. God, I'm living such a pure lifestyle. I'm sharing Jesus with the people on the streets. Why are you not blessing me? And it's about the intention. It's about where's the root? Is there an unforgiving spirit within you? And we tend to mix this up. There's this notion that Christians can't get angry. I can't get angry with you. And nowhere in the Bible does it say don't get angry. In fact, it says get, get angry. All right, Ephesians 4 verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. So it says you're allowed to be angry. If you don't have anger towards certain situations, you're dead on the inside. If you can watch videos of children being abused and not feel angry, you're dead. Anger needs to rise somewhere. Anger is an emotion. It's not a spirit. It's an emotion. But it can become a spirit once you sin. So I'm angry and I, I hit my wife. I'm angry and I cuss. I'm angry and I lie. I'm angry and I leave offended. The angry part, God has nothing to do with that. It's like, that's, that's an emotion. But when it becomes sin, that's when God needs to step in. And it says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. How many sunsets have we had angry? All the married couples say amen. Praise God. Okay. Hey, I'm telling you, I live in a house of the married couple. That's why I can say that. That sun goes down a lot of times. And the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, on your anger. But just don't let it lead to sin. Forgive people. The question is this, family. Do you want to be right or do you want to be reconciled? You can either be right and say, I'm right. This is my point. Boom. Okay, but now you got to bed with with anger, with bitterness, with hatred, and you're not the same person anymore. But hey, you were right. You got the battle. Well done. 
Or do you want to be reconciled and put the pride away and say, you know what, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to say sorry because I need grace. I need forgiveness. It, there won't be a single person angry in this world today if all of us could see what we've been forgiven of on the cross. If you could just see your sin on the cross, you would have no problem to forgive. You'd say, oh, if you could just see a glimpse of hell, you would have no problem to forgive. You'd say, God, I forgive immediately. Please. I see what, I, what I've been forgiven of. We can't sing that song. Um, I don't know how much it costs to see my sin on the cross. I need to know. I need to know how much it costs. I need to see what Jesus paid for. Because if I can see what I've been forgiven of as a sinner, it's so easy to forgive. I can say, you know what, you hurt me, but it's okay. I forgive you. I release you. And we think that anger is just, you know, okay, it's an emotion, yes. But once you go down with anger in your heart, that thing becomes like a thorn in, in between your, your, your skin and, and the tissue. And it just gets weaved in there and it stays there. And a couple of years later, you figure out, man, but why is this arm so sore? You know why? It's because of three years ago, four years ago that you had offense. And I'm a testimony of that. Where you think, I was just angry, but I never dealt with it. And I couldn't forgive so how do you know you've forgiven someone? Matthew 3 verse 8. How do I know I've forgiven someone? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. <laughs> that scripture, whoa, it's so good. Bear fruits worthy of repentance, meaning you got to show something that you have truly forgiven someone else. If your internal decision does not affect your external behavior, you have no fruit of forgiveness. Your external act of forgiveness proves the internal change. Your external behavior proves your internal change. If you are still on the outside looking like hell looking like darkness saying because we do this a lot of times and you you can't lie you're in the house of the lord we do this a lot of times i forgive them you know i forgave them a long time ago just because you say it with your mouth doesn't mean that it was true where's the fruits of the repentance therefore bear forth fruits for your repentance meaning give them a phone call Get a, a coffee. Send them a gift. And if they've died already, put a whole day of fasting in for their lineage. But you got to do something to show I have forgiven you. Because once you can start praying for someone that hurts you, that's true repentance. That's true forgiveness to say, and not God, you know what, I forgive them. That was my prayer. No, my prayer is God bless them like you bless me. Protect them like you protect me. Give their children what you'll give my children. And when you can start pronouncing the blessing of God upon your enemies, you win. Forgiveness is not a sign of weakness. It's a strength. And this is not an amen message. This is a hurtful message. Because your heart is pounding saying, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to let go. I don't want to get rid of the unforgiveness in my heart. If that's the spirit tonight, you need it the most.
And I don't know what's been done to you. But you have to forgive. Hebrews 12 verse 14 to 17 speaks about the root of bitterness. Look at this. Pursue peace with all people. (laughs) And holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. If you have no peace with people, you can have no peace with God. It's impossible. You cannot be with the Lord in His presence, but you hate someone else. It's difficult to pray and worship God, but you have hatred in your heart towards another race. It's difficult not to hate on young people because they disrespect old people, but it's also difficult not to hate the the old people because they don't like the young people. And we just hate on one another the whole time. And we, we don't see it. We make gracious comments and we, we just, it's just light. But that thing could find root in your heart. And create bitterness. Create something that is so disgusting. The most terrifying people that you'll ever meet in your life are all bitter people. They're all bitter people. Let's continue with the scriptures. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Dad spoke about this. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. What does the word defiled mean? It means damaged purity. Damaged purity. It just means that if you have bitterness in your heart, you have damaged purity right now. And what does Matthew 5 verse 8 say? It says, blessed are those that are pure at heart, for they shall see God. So if I have bitterness in my heart, my purity is damaged. That means that my heart is damaged. That means my heart is wounded. And because you have a wounded heart because of offense or bitterness right now, you cannot see more of God. You cannot see Him. You cannot feel Him because of the unforgiving heart that you have tonight. As someone with bitterness in their heart, they will contaminate everyone under them, everyone around them, everyone that they speak to will feel the bitterness. Because what does the Bible say? That the only thing that can come out of your mouth is what's in your heart. Right? The devil attacks my mind. I think about it. It drops in my heart. It comes out of my mouth. It's very easy. It goes like this. Because I thought it, because I pondered on it, because I really was meditating on that thought, it found a root in my heart. The offense became bitterness. The bitterness now starts coming up. And the only thing we hear when you speak is bitterness, hatred. The only person that unforgiveness and bitterness hurts is you. If this is the person that I am offended towards, the only one that's getting hurt out of this relationship is me. They say that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping it will kill the other person. So I'm here hating on you. I have bitterness. I have offense. I just don't like you. Because of that, my heart gets defiled. I have damaged purity. And now I try to pray. I seek the Lord and I'm thinking, why am I struggling? And there's just a wound of bitterness. It's damaged my purity with God. 
And I hope this is touching somebody's heart tonight. And I want to say this tonight, that trust is earned, forgiveness is not. I don't have to earn your forgiveness. You have no... You cannot withhold forgiveness from someone. You never owned that. Jesus gave it. It was a gift. So freely you have received, so freely give. So because you have been forgiven, you must forgive. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. Let me, let me take a, an unfaithful spouse. All right? And if you've been hurt by this, this is how it is. It's like, you don't have to trust that person ever again. You don't have to be in the same room ever again. But you have to forgive them. You don't have to speak to them. You don't have to phone them. You don't have to check on them. You must just make sure that your heart has forgiven them completely. Set them free. Because trust is earned, but forgiveness is not. We did nothing to earn forgiveness. <laughs> you weren't even born. And we already had forgiveness. So even if you just like want to ask God for forgiveness, I think it just stops us saying, hey, it's fine, I already forgave you. Don't worry about it. It's done. The cross has forgiven you. But we have to earn the trust of God. We have to earn the trust of the Lord. And I can't even imagine, I can't even begin to think what some of us have gone through in this room tonight. I can't imagine what you've been through as, as a mom, as a dad, as a spouse, as a sibling. I cannot imagine what you've gone through. And I don't want to know. That's not my purpose. What you've been through is between you and the Lord. I'm not denying that the experiences and the, the trauma is not real. It's real. But the only way you're going to live a life in freedom it's if you forgive. It's if you forgive. I'm closing with a statement that we're going to pray for you tonight. Unforgiveness is a prison. There's one prisoner and there's one God in there. Security God. His name is Pride. He's the only one that's stopping you from forgiving. It's Pride. He's the only one stopping you from, He's manipulating you to say, yeah, but they wronged you. Why should you forgive? They said that about you. Why should you forgive them? And pride will just knock on your door. And he'll just tell you the whole time, hey man, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. You shouldn't apologize. And this unapologetic spirit comes upon you. And, and you don't want to apologize because, hey, I'm always right. And when you think you're always right, you're always wrong, actually. It's always the opposite. And that spirit of pride is telling you, don't apologize. Don't say sorry to your wife. Don't say sorry to your husband. Don't apologize to your children. Don't. I feel that there's so many, also there's so many grandmothers and grandfathers here today that feel... Like they never reconcile with their kids. Tonight, God is going to restore that with you because you felt like you didn't raise them right. Tonight, God is going to restore you. Don't worry about that. Just felt a strong pull towards someone here tonight that God is going to set you free from that guilt. But there's one person in this prison with a key. And it's not God. It's not His angels. It's not Jesus. It's you. How do you like that? How stupid is that? 
We are in the prison with the key. It's called forgiveness. And it can only be unlocked from the inside. No one can get you out from the outside. Not even God himself can remove you from that prison. You put yourself in there with the key and you sat there. With pride. And you're having coffee and brides and it's amazing in there now. But it's only the two of you. I'm closing with a statement. Forgiveness empowers you to set the prisoner free only to realize that the prisoner was you. Forgiveness empowers you to set the prisoner free only to realize that it was you all this time. The people tonight that you have unforgiveness towards, that you have hatred towards, you have bitterness towards them, I want to tell you that the only person you are hurting, it's you. It's no one else. Like I said, I can't begin to imagine what some of you have gone through in this room tonight. But I have so much compassion and grace upon you tonight because Jesus has had that on me. And it doesn't matter what you've done or what someone has done to you. Because sometimes the worst done to us can bring the best out of us. If the worst is done to you, the best can come out of you. You just need to change that perspective. If someone takes your car, steals your car and they can't find the car, you bless that person. You say, Father, I bless them. And you forgive them and you release them. But to hold a grudge because of a stolen car or because of not raising your children right or because of, of hurting your spouse, because of holding a grudge, because of what they did on, on Wednesday or last week or last year, it's not worth your salvation. It's not worth your eternity. We're not going to go to heaven with unforgiving hearts. God doesn't allow that. He gives us to torturers. An unforgiving heart will never see the kingdom of God. You'll never see heaven. It's a promise. It's not a threat. So many Christians, I think, can go to hell tonight because we've had unforgiveness for months now. Hatred for months now. How dare we? We've been forgiven of so much. How dare we hold a grudge against anyone? The blood of Jesus has set us free, has cleansed us, has washed us. And because of that, it is enough reason for me to forgive you. I want you to stand right now. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift up your hands towards heaven right now. This message tonight was not a preaching message. I spoke to your heart tonight. And God wants to touch our hearts tonight. There's so many people here tonight with unforgiving hearts, unforgiving spirits. And God wants to set you free. But He can't do it if you have the keys. You need to let go. You need to let go. And it might not be easy tonight, but at least stop praying. At least stop praying for that person right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for your presence in this house. Hey God, right now I release the grace of God, the love of God, the love of the Father. God, that we will have grace upon those that have trespassed against us. Let us have grace, let us have mercy on the people that have hurt us, on the church leaders, on the mothers, the fathers, the siblings, the spouse. Father, give us the grace to forgive. As Jesus had the grace to forgive on the cross. Have grace on us, God. Have grace on us, God. 
flow through us, God. Oh, So many of you tonight living with unforgiving hearts, you can't even worship God. You can't even lift up your hands. If you're here tonight and you say, Nikki, I'm struggling with bitterness in my heart towards someone. I'm struggling with unforgiveness. I'm struggling with hatred. I have an anger issue. It's not just an emotion for me. It's overtaken me. If that's you tonight, deliverance is right here, right now. And I'm inviting you to come to the altar. If you want God to set you free, if you want God to give you a brand new heart, I want you to come to the front. And you can kneel, you can lay face down before God. I don't care. God is going to touch you. God is going to change you. Come to the front, come to the front. We're going to pray with you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians, deacons, I want you to minister to the people that you feel you need to minister to. Now it's not to minister to just anybody, minister to the, to the right person. But before we do that, before we do that, I want them to say this prayer with me. Come on, I'm making the call, I'm making the call. Don't hold that grudge one second longer. I want every eye closed right now, every eye closed, every eye closed. Everybody pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. We're going to ask the Lord to search our hearts tonight. Heavenly Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, search our hearts, O oh God. Create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, O oh Lord. And renew within me a steadfast spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, search the hearts of your people. Search the hearts of your people right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, search our hearts, God. Come on, search your heart, guys. Search your heart, search your heart. Father, if there's anything in me, remove it, remove it. And if there's an unforgiving spirit upon you today towards your parents, your spouse, your siblings, whatever, come to the front. Even if it's a small, stupid thing, I don't care. Get rid of anything that might look like the devil. All the people here in the front. All the people here in the front, I want you to say this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask God to give you the grace to say this. Because it can't be easy. It can't be easy. And Ephesians, deacons, I want you to have so much compassion on the people. They have a lot of hurt. It's not easy to forgive. Many of them are offended towards you tonight, towards me. I want everyone to say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I give to you my wounded heart. And Lord, tonight, I came to the front. Not because I'm strong, but God, it's because I'm weak. And I need you. God, right now, I'm making a decision. It's difficult. But Lord, I'm making it to forgive. And right now, Lord, I renounce this unforgiving heart. 
I renounce offense. I renounce bitterness in the name of Jesus. And right now I want you to start forgiving the people that hurt you. If you can say their names, if you can get it right, just say their names. And I want you to also pray for them. Forgive them and pray for them. And Ephesians, deacons, you can go ahead and start ministering right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are forgiving us. Youth leaders, if you guys can come and help me as well. House of Peace leaders. If you feel led to anybody in the audience, go to them right now. God wants to touch some people. But you must share the love of God, the compassion of God. I want to see tears flowing tonight. I want to see compassion. God, give us a compassionate heart for your people. Oh, bless you, Kalarabrushaka. Eke yando bosia karavariabokose. Eka yandi abakianda la basio kolorosa. Eka yanda la bakayanda lebeke. I want you to come against the foul spirit of bitterness and all and offense and unforgiveness. In the name of Jesus God. We make war right now. We make war right now against the spirit of bitterness, the spirit of offense. Right now, in Jesus' name, you are bound. You are bound. You are bound in the name of Jesus. Rebuke in the name of Jesus. Come on, you guys in the audience. I want you to stretch out your hands and I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. For more information on products, please visit our website or send us an email. All the details are on the back of the product pack.